believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. We're getting ready to have a live spectacle. What we were trying to say, you got to walk home. Walk home. Walk home. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. To reach Devin Wade with a question or comment, follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Be a part of the group on Facebook by joining the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group or liking the page. Welcome to episode 47 of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So grateful that you guys have chose to, uh, to tune in and subscribe and like and listen and all of those good things. Well, we have a big episode for you, and the Silver Fox, Kevin Allen, will be joining us. And we have several segments that I'll go into. But first and foremost, want to thank my man, Kofi Bankus and Cobank Homes, the division of Keller Williams. If you are looking to buy, sell, or rent, he is a guy that can help you find a home in the greater Houston area, which is expansive. And so if you have any real estate questions, I don't care where you're from, you can feel free to call Cobank Homes and my man Kofi Bankers at 832-757-7950. And sometimes I just randomly call him with a question or I'll see a property that may look interesting and I'll get some background on the area. And I just check in with him from time to time because, hey, he is there for that. And again, when I'm ready to sell my home and buy another home, He's my guy. He's the guy I'll turn to. But Cobank Homes, you'll hear more about him throughout the episode. You'll hear more about them uh, throughout the episode. The This or That segment, that's coming up. Also, we'll get into some headlines. We will do The Boys Are Back in Town, and we'll go to your town. And uh, today's town we'll be getting into is uh, Houston, our town. This is We're both native Houstonians. We'll be talking about Houston uh, in the second half of the show. And we have a You Big Dummy segment where we will point out a, a dummy in sports and give out uh, the Lamont Award uh, for this episode. In addition to that, before I let go, and but now I want to bring my man Kevin Allen, the Silver Fox. How are you, Kev? Doing great. Appreciate you for having me. Well, I think you need to fall on the sword to open up the show. You were absolutely wrong about the Super Bowl. However, it was a, a really entertaining Super Bowl. Never in the history of the NFL have two teams had more offense. An unbelievable out- offensive output for a Super Bowl. How did you like the game? I mean, obviously you don't like the outcome. You were going with Tom Brady. But how did you like the game? I love the game. Uh, really exciting. Kept you on your toes. High scoring, a lot of offense, no defense. It was like whoever had the ball last. And, and see, I thought that when New England got the lead, I really felt it was going to be tough for Philadelphia to come back and win the game. It just seemed like a, a huge hurdle. But they were able to come back and do it. It was a big, big deal. And, by the way, I was right about the MVP. I picked Nick, Nick Foles for the MVP. He went to Disneyland this week. Give me my props. I was right. Finally. Uh, no, you got to do better than that. Finally. See, we need to start you making bets. Pittsburgh. That's your Well, no, Kansas City was the first thing. But I'm just teasing. No, you did pick uh, Nick Foles. Now, See, did you, I really believe it? I, I don't think I really. No, but you, you picked it. I mean, uh, he, he had a one hell of a game. Kept him right in the middle of it. They, they did great. Well, you know, and we talked about uh, New England and their situation defensively. Early in the season, they were really bad. But then they were able to put it together throughout a large stretch of the season. 
but just a horrendous defensive performance. And part of that has to do with Bill Belichick uh, not playing Malcolm Butler. And we'll get into that a little bit later on. Uh, but Matt Patricia goes to to Detroit to become the head coach. Josh McDaniel takes the Indy job and then changes his mind. I mean, that just, you know, I guess Robert Kraft and they want him on the team. Maybe he's the heir apparent. They're talking like he's the heir apparent to Bill Belichick in the next few years. Just some crazy goings on. But like I said, I think that New England is clearly on the decline. And that's not a large stretch because you have a 40-year-old quarterback. Your defense was suspect all year. You continue to lose coaches and coordinators. It's bound to end at some point. I think the end is here for New England. I don't see them getting back to another Super Bowl for a while, not under this current construction of of New England Patriots with Belichick and Brady. Uh, it'll be. I think they'll go out together, maybe. I don't know. Maybe Brady stays a little bit longer. Maybe Belichick does. I don't know. But is this the end of the era in you, of an era for you, in your opinion? No. I mean, it, I, I hear people talk, and they say that the era is over. They're, they're done. But I'm missing where's the drop-off. Who can actually beat them? They make better adjustments than anybody. You had, I think that was Amendola. Oh, no, Edelman went out. Edelman, Amendola yeah. uh, picked up the slack. Edel, Edelman went out at the beginning of the year. You lose him. You lose Gronk during the year. Brady's 40. You have all these distractions. Even that Gronk they is talking about return. Well, they brought it up because of the concussion, so he's trying to defer from that. But he, he answered those questions. But when you look at it, I don't see where the decline is, where everybody, oh, they lost it. This is it. It's over, you know, but – you know, they lose Patricia. Belichick could get somebody else in there. You, you you kept your offensive coordinator. Brady threw for 4,500 yards this year, 30-some-odd touchdown, and 505 yards passing in the Super Bowl, and people are saying this is the end of the era. I don't see it. I think that it's, next year will be his last year, and if that division was any good at all, I wouldn't even pick him to win the division, but – I don't think that they'll be very good uh, next year. I mean, they'll limp to another division championship just because that's like the worst division in all of football. So, I, But I think, like I said, I, I predicted this after the Atlanta game last year in the Super Bowl. I said that this year wouldn't be his last. It would be next year. Next year will be his last year, and I think he may struggle. And it may not even be performance. It's probably most likely going to be injuries. You know, those things but start then, to creep but up. See, but when you look at injuries with Brady, he hasn't had an injury. Well, he's banged up. He plays through him. You know, he had the little cut hand and stuff like that. I mean, that's not a, a, yeah. a sustainable injury, but uh, a sustained injury. Um, but, again, I, as you get older, things that used to not bother you, will, you know, those bones but, are starting to break down. But the thing about it, Devin, when you, you, you talk to Tom Brady and you listen to him, he planned for this where he years ago – he changed a lot of things that he did to prepare for this moment. So by him preparing then and he's still playing at a high level, I don't think next year will be it. I mean, where, where's the sign that he's slowing Father down? Father time is undefeated. That's but what they you, say. But you know, you're right. Father time is undefeated. But Father time is an overtime with Tom Brady. <laughs> he's an overtime. He, he hasn't quite gotten him yet. So Well, the other thing that happened this week, obviously – LeBron takes a huge L last Saturday uh, to the Houston Rockets. They get embarrassed on national television. He comes out and says, oh, well, I'm not the GM. Well, you kind of have been, but okay, you're not the GM. 
And a few days later, what happens? They blow up the Cleveland Cavaliers, and they add Rodney Hood, George Hill, uh, Clarkson, Larry Nance Jr., Jr., Jordan Clarkson, all of those guys. Now, a new-look Cavs team, what do you think? What do you think of the trade? And and we'll get into – we'll compare the trade from the L.A. standpoint and the Cleveland standpoint later on. But right now, what are your general thoughts on the trade for the Cleveland Cavaliers? I think the trades were good for Cleveland. They got much younger, more athletic, and they should defend better. But when I give a breakdown of this, I, I like Larry Nance Jr. with the upside. He, he's not really an offensive threat as where he can score, but he's good around the rim. I do like Clarkson as a scorer. George Hill is more of a facilitator. He's not a big-time scorer. He's just solid. And the Rodney Hood, uh, the Rodney Hood I like Rodney Hood. I like his length. He's a streaky shooter. The athleticism, which he has, I think is good. I don't think that is enough to put him over the hump. I think it puts him back in conversation with LeBron. Is it enough time to get this team sort of really melded together uh, where they can make a run? I mean, can you get this team together? I think Can they gel in this short amount of time with that many new parts? Yeah, with that many new parts, it's going to take them a minute to figure each other out. And, uh, and, and poor Isaiah Thomas, he just out of the but, mix all together. But the thing about what I share with everybody is with, it is so difficult, and they say, hey, you're a LeBron hater, you're this. But it is so difficult to play with LeBron because he's so ball dominant. And when you, you're you not in a rhythm, it's tough, you know. He may have to start doing what Kobe did late in his career where you defer for two or three quarters and then just take over the fourth quarter. Kobe right. did a lot of that. And even from time to time, you'll see Russell Westbrook do that. You defer a lot early to get the guys in rhythm. And then in the fourth quarter, when it's showtime, the stars take over. And, and that's the, you know, I think if he can do more of that. But again, I, that, I never really get an understanding of what they like to do offensively. Yeah, right, because, because he has the ball. And, and what they did before they set it up, where they, they, they got spot up shooters for him because he's so ball dominant. But if you look at it now, Clarkson score, scores off the deck on the dribble. You're, right. and, and none of the other guys they had could do that, but, could create for themselves. But with, with because those are the guys LeBron had where he wanted them to spot up. But that's the thing with Isaiah Thomas. He's ball dominant as well, and he couldn't get in the rhythm because LeBron has his ball 14 or 15 seconds into that shot clock. How much do you think that has has to do with the injury, recovering from the injury? A lot of people say, well, he's not back to form. Is it that or is it playing with LeBron? It's a combination because the injury, he's he's just going to have to play through it and get better. But playing with LeBron, Isaiah isn't a spot-up shooter. He's used to bringing the ball down the court. He's used to setting guys up. He's used to being that guy in the fourth quarter. But then when you're with LeBron – you're not doing that. And I always bring up Kyrie Irving, where a lot of people chopped up Kyrie. And I'm like, hey, man, Kyrie has been three NBA finals. Kyrie has won an NBA championship, but Kyrie wasn't first, second, or third team all NBA. He can do more than just spot up and shoot. Kyrie can can lead a team. Hey, he can re- lead a team. He's a Robin. But now look what he's doing. It's tough to play with LeBron. It's yeah, tough. Yeah. Well, And we'll talk more about the Cavs in just a minute. But uh, the other thing is the Olympics started. And one thing that stood out to me, and and I'll get you to pick a sport uh, in the Olympics, 
and I'm as patriotic, and I, I I sort of hate it because the Olympics used to be so huge, and they just they're just not anymore. I don't know I don't know why. It's just I, I, we don't rally around them as much. I know that the coverage is not great. I really don't like how they do it. You you rebroadcast with the time difference. You rebroadcasting a lot of things, and we already know the results. So I don't know why. I just don't know why it hadn't caught on a little bit more. Uh, some Olympics are still much more popular. Um, but, uh, you know, that's here. But I said, I don't know if you saw the vice president, Mike Pence, over there. Yeah. So he's over there, and the sister of Kim Jong-un is is there to in represent. In the same box. Yeah, in the same box right in front of him. And, of course, they don't speak to each other, which, again, that's stupid. But the more stupid thing, the stupid earth thing, is when the Korean team came in united with Korea, South Korea and North Korea came in united together. And, and again, if you know anything about world politics, you know that, I mean, this is the, the hot bed for potential, the uh, you know, World War Three beginning, right? So we know this. But he, you know, instead of being just a human being, he sits down while Korea comes in uh, with the, when their team marches in. He won't stand for the united Korea. And, and I'm just like, these people are so damn stupid. I can't believe that these folks are in charge. I mean, it's just so petty and beneath who we are as a country. What is it? How is it going to hurt you or weaken America's position if you stand up when these young athletes come into And see, it, the thing about the Olympics is it's not supposed to be politicized. It's supposed to be the time when the entire world can come together. Now, I, you know, obviously we know that there have been boycotts and political aspects to all of those things. But ideally, you know, these countries come together and set their political stuff aside right? just so they can come together, um, you know, for peace and competition. And that was just so petty and stupid. And I'm just so sick of them. And I just, I just wish I could wake up from this nightmare uh, that uh, America has, you know, has put us in. Uh, but that was just really stupid to me. And, and also the controversy with Shawnee Davis, who uh, was in the competition to be the flag bearer, and it was a tie. And uh, Shani Davis is a a returning Olympian, and he's a medal winner, gold medalist, and he's African American. Well, he lo- they it, they tie four four, and he loses on a coin flip, <laughs> and then he goes out and, so, and it feels like, oh, what an undignified way to determine who's going to be the flag bearer. And he doesn't even attend the opening ceremonies. And he and he goes to the Black History Month 2018, which you know again we have real problems with racism and injustice. I thought that that was that's, that was petty and and stupid. You lose the coin toss, you lose the coin toss. Now I don't know what went on behind the scenes. I don't know any of that, but it just seemed really really silly and petty of Shawnee Davis. And I know people probably won't agree with me on that, but he you gotta chill, man. Take the L on that. Be a, a, a good Olympian and just walk in there and whoever win, won the coin toss won the coin toss. I mean, I don't get it. I don't see what, what his beef is, but I don't know if you caught any of that. But. I, I caught a little bit of it, and I, I heard about that, but maybe he has his reasons, and I saw it, and I'm like, yeah, okay, I mean, I'm done with yeah, it. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. Now you in, in the center of some controversy, and he better not lose because you start all that trouble and lose, then, you, you know, that was for nothing. So you better win. Maybe that'll help him put pressure on himself. So with that, I want to go to a segment that we call This 
or that. The choice is yours. You can get with this or you can get with that. You can get with this or you can get with that. In this segment, what we do is I'll give you two things, two teams, two sports entities, and Kev, you tell me this one or that one. Simple choice. Let's talk a little bit about the other trade that happened with Blake Griffin going to Detroit for Avery Bradley. And uh, those teams played last night. Clippers outscore uh, Detroit 31-15 to in the fourth quarter to win that one. They had won, what, six or seven straight. They lose with Blake Griffin. And Blake Griffin has some moments in that game. But who is going to have the higher seed in their conference? Will it be the Detroit Pistons? With Blake Griffin, or will it be the L.A. Clippers? This or that? Tough on me. You gave me a tough one, didn't That's you? The, we start tough, you and they get tougher. Tough. You know what? I'm going to say this. I don't know who had a higher seed, but Detroit to go further in the playoffs. I can say that. So you think they'll they would? Because right now, Detroit mm-hmm. is, is, is out of the playoffs. They're yeah. the ninth seed right now. They'll, they'll get in. But once they get in, if they can get – They'll either play – look, if they are able to squeak in, it'll be either be the Toronto Raptors or the Boston Celtics or the Cleveland Cavs. Yeah. If they can get in and can match up with Cleveland or Toronto, I think they'll be okay. That's a big upset you predict. A lot of people are, are, are predicting Toronto. I'm just not quite sold on those guys yet. I'm not sold on them. Uh, with Cleveland, with what's going on, and they haven't jail with these guys, they're still prime. Okay. I don't think they're good with Boston, but I think if they can get in and they they can match up with one of those, they have a chance because they have Andre Drummond, who's athletic, and now you add a Blake Griffin. Yeah. So that that changes the I dynamics. Think, I think I agree with you. I think uh, Detroit will be the highest seed, and I think they'll do better in their conference. The Clippers, I can't figure out what exactly they're trying to do. I don't understand what their vision was. I could see, uh, you know, getting rid of Chris Paul. But then you make it Blake's team. So now you know DeAndre Jordan's probably going to leave. What What are you doing? Like, where where are you heading from here if you're the Clippers? If I'm the Clippers, I see what they're doing. What they're doing is with that with that ball club, they could they realize this is as far as we can go. So we tried it and we tried it. Let's break this thing up and start over. Because with Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, and DeAndre Jordan, they, they could never get past first or second round. And they did that for a few years. And they're like, hey, this is – this is as far as we can go. Let's break this thing up and let's try it over. So that that's where they're going right now. If they can get rid of DeAndre Jordan's salary, you've already got rid of Chris Paul. Now you got rid of Blake Griffin. You may be in the hunt for some free agents. Well, and I want to bring that's going to be an aspect of what we talk about in just a little bit. Second up well, on this or that, Tiger Woods or Serena Williams, who is going to have more success in their comeback? Now we've seen Serena come back from having a baby. And she played in the exhibition, and now she's getting ready to play in in Davis Cup uh, play, a World Cup play or whatever, for sort of some team tennis. But she won't be playing individual tennis. She won't. She'll only be playing. She won't be playing singles. Singles. She'll only play doubles with her sister. Uh, who's gonna have the bigger comeback? Uh, will it be Tiger or Serena? Serena. I think Tiger still has a way to go. Uh, he's got still has to go through some things. But I think with Serena, as athletic as she is and as powerful as she is. Who's going to win a tournament first? Serena. Serena won a tournament first. I'm thinking first. on this. I'm thinking on this. I'm thinking on this. Didn't take me long. I think I think just the, I think it will be Serena, but I think it's because it's so much more competition than golf. Well. You got to put together four really quality days against younger, stronger guys. 
And ah, I don't know. He didn't have a mystique around him. He he, he didn't have that that aura of invincibility around him. Ah, man, it's it's tough. I think he's going to do really well. But if you're talking about winning a tournament, I would see Serena winning a tournament, not a major, but winning a tournament before Tiger. Does. I, I think she can win a major as well because she's so athletic and gifted, and what she has on her side. Understand she had the baby, but Tiger's had injuries. And with injuries, you don't know when that body may break back down. But with her, she hasn't had the injuries. And she has the best trainers and the best every everybody there around her and her support staff to get her back in tip-top shape. So once she's like that, she's right back being dominant again. But with Tiger, he's coming back from injuries with back and rotator cuff and all kind of things. <laughs> so it's going to be a little bit tougher for him. And finally on this or that, uh, the Cavs or the Lakers, long-term, who won that, who will have won that trade? There are a lot of aspects to consider here. Now, in the short term, obviously, they're going to make a run at the Eastern Conference title. But long-term, who wins that trade? Is the Lakers for creating that cap space for themselves so they can go after some free agents? Or is it the Cavs who are sort of positioning themselves if LeBron leaves? Who, this or that, who do you have, uh, the Cavs or the Lakers? It's tough both ways. And the reason I say that is I'm suspect with Magic's drafting now with the draft pick Alonzo Ball. So now – You're not cutting him in the slack? I mean, what? he's okay. He's not horrible. He's not a bust. He's not what – I mean, I think the hype machine fueled really by his father made you think LeVar Ball. And then, I mean, that that Lonzo Ball was going to be this next Magic Johnson. I think the Lakers kind of fell into that trap of being, you know, with hyperbole and and thinking he's going to be this or that. But I don't think he's bad. I don't think he's good. So give me a guard, historically or currently, that you would say he's most like at this point, or what you think his career will be. I think Lonzo Ball still has a lot of work ahead of him. So give me a goal. I mean, Who would you compare him to? I can't because with him, I think the hype got him. Whereas I'm not saying he's a bad basketball player, but I don't think he's this great basketball player. When you look at him, he's still weak. And what I mean by that, he got he got he has to get strength. He's not quick. He can't create a shot, and he lacks defense. So therefore, when you add all of those things up, you got a question mark. Me, myself, I would have drafted De'Aaron Fox in that spot because De'Aaron, right now, I think he's more NBA ready. than. Well, I than, mean, for a career, Lonzo is going to – I would presume he's going to get stronger. Okay. And then he will improve his game. Will he ever be an all-star? In the West, the way it's going now, I can't say he never will, but it's not in any of the foreseeable future. So, well, and so let's get back to the original question. Lakers or the Cavs, you say you don't trust the Lakers uh, drafting. But if they don't have to worry about drafting, if they have, uh, you know, uh, a couple big-name free agents like Paul George and LeBron join the team. But that that's what I wanted you to say. And we shared this earlier. LeBron is so ball-dominant. So now if LeBron is ball-dominant, you like Lonzo Ball's passing ability. Now you take that away from him. He can't. He's not an offensive threat. So now but you have to you believe do, LeBron's game will change as he gets into the twilight of his career. <laughs> you don't think he'll just be like a guy that can move without the ball, maybe let me, post up more? Let me ask you this. His ego will not allow him to do it <laughs> because 
he has to he has to be that dude. And when you take that away from Lonzo Ball, you slows down his progress of being a great NBA player because he can't score. We've watched that. We've talked on the phone where he's playing and he can't shoot it. So now you're four and five on offense. And then on defense, he he's not really that strong a defender. And then LeBron pick and chooses who he wants to guard. So now, see, this that's where I'm saying I'm not so sure. And the Lakers came out and said, we're not going to get in this market for the free agency. Which We're I don't believe. There. But I, I think it would be better because you have the Kawhi Leonard. You have Jimmy Butler. You have other people. LeBron would want just just LeBron. I, I, I don't I, know. I think his star is starting to fade as far as people. Although you can't tell here in the city of Houston because they, they want LeBron to come here and they think that's going to deliver a championship. I, I don't think that. I don't think that LeBron will win another championship. Not in the West. Well, maybe not. I, I tell you that. I don't think. Period. I don't think. I don't. I don't. I, just, I don't think it'll work. I think his his run is over uh, right now. As long as Golden State and uh, Houston is in this West. So let me say this about the this or that, and you can give me your final answer in just a sec. I think both teams benefited, I, and I think Cleveland benefited yeah. because they're prepared. They have quality players that they can work with. If LeBron leaves, correct. Now, that, now again, that doesn't make they them a contender. Right. They, they have they some pieces, pieces. And so I I like that they did it because as it stood, if they would have not made a deal and LeBron would have walked, you have this ancient team. You have and then little Isaiah. You know, like you were not in great position. I think that they won, and I think the Lakers won by being able to clear some space. Now again, I like that the the, the entire little nucleus they had. With with Kuzma and Clarkson and and Ingram and Nance and and even Lonzo Ball uh, and 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 Randall that whole team I thought that they won you know that, that maybe not they were missing pieces but I liked all of what they had yeah uh, but again if it creates some some space for you because let's let's say and I think that's a safe answer for the Lakers but say say if this this offseason, LeBron doesn't go to L.A., and Paul George stays in OKC. Then all of a sudden, you the Lakers with all this money and nobody to give it to. So I think it's a, a really good PR move to say, oh, no, we're not in it. Even though it, doesn't nobody believe them, but they, it's easy for them to say we're not in the, the, the 2018 offseason. We're looking at 2019. And this is how crazy the NBA is and how insignificant the regular season seems to be. Because this is what we're talking about. We're talking about a year. We're talking about two summers from now. And, and that's that's sort of driving the conversation, which is insane when there's so much basketball to be played in the 2018 but, season. But if you if you look at the Lakers, I think in their last 16 games, they're like 12 and 4. Mm-hmm. So those young guys are turning the corner. They were. Now you break that up. But no, not really. Because your core is Kuzma and Ingram. Those are your two, those are your two studs right now. Is Kuzma and Ingram. Mm-hmm. So if you can get rid of Clarkson, you get rid of a big salary, and Larry Nance Jr., who, like I say, he he's not a bad player. I like him, but he's not that core. You build around Kuzma and Ingram, and both of those guys are six nine and long, and both both of them Kuzma can stroke it, and Ingram is really coming with his shot. So now I like it better. Now when Lonzo Ball comes back, now he has the ball and he can facilitate. And you got two wings there. So if you keep going through the draft and keep going, Roundel is really playing pretty good now. Now you start adding another piece or so, 
You no, got they said he's going to play so. Isaiah and, and Ball in the backcourt together. They say he's coming off the bench, and now he's saying that if, well, he's coming, just said, if nah. he comes off the bench, he wants out. Yeah, that's going to get ugly in the short term. Real quick. Long term, I think the Lakers win that trade. I think both of them win. But it's this or that, so pick one. We'll both win, though. I know, but this is one – one has to win it all. You, you, there's no ties in basketball. I'm going with the Lakers winning the trade. Cleveland for the short term, Lakers for the long term. Well, the question was for the long term, so you win with the Lakers. Hey, with that, going to take a time. I'll tell you more about uh, uh, Cobank Holmes. When we come back in the second half, we're going to do the uh, the boys are back in town, or your town segment, and then we have the you big dummy. <laughs> and before I let go, this is episode 47 of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, and SoundCloud. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. La, 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 la. Yo. What's the deal? Ain't nothing, Paul. We just shit away from the Lord, like. Trying to get our heads right, get this money right, you know, like. You know what I'm saying? You know how it goes. Just another day in the hood. Yo. Yo. Yo, one night, New York City. Heard it going down. Friday night, midnight, Atlantic City. Slash machines. Ding, 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 ding. When they ring off, lock the doors. That's when ghosts just beat Cigars, paisley robes. Four bitches guarded me safely as we walked to the window. The cashier was scared. She asked for my info. The manager arrived with two guys. That's an insult. That's the cold, Mr. Coles. We talking about five million dollars here. This ain't Play-Doh, though. And your horoscope red. You gonna slay those. We got scribbles, Anthony Acid, rocking the show. Special guest star, Mark Bronson. First five hundred. Welcome back to episode forty-seven of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Devin Wade with you, Silver Fox, Kevin Allen. Want to thank you guys. A couple people we want to say hi to. Teddy Beautiful Lewis, Melissa. Melissa listens to every podcast. Everyone. Arthur McBride. Melissa will make comments. Uh, Pernell Harvey is my guy. Yeah. Pernell, he gives feedback yeah. on every show. Oh, he so kills he, me. He <laughs> listens to every episode, and he critiques, and he'll tell us where he disagrees with us. Yeah. And, and I think uh, some of the H-Town people will disagree with us on some of the stuff we're going to talk about in just a minute. But did you catch the uh, – this is not really sports-related. What about the Quincy Jones article? Quincy Jones is a living legend, and, and I don't use that term like Quincy? 84, about to be 85. And, and making he, comments like he made. He don't give a damn. And But the thing is, he knows where the bodies are buried. So he says that Marlon Brando – and I'll just hit the highlights. And, and again, we, we're going off the beaten path here. But among the highlights of this, the Beatles were horrible musicians, horrible musicians. Michael Jackson stole music from other <laughs> artists. And I guess the two biggies is uh, he did, he dated Ivanka Trump, said that she had the best legs he'd ever seen. And the other part of that was, well, he also got into Who Killed Kennedy. I mean, he, it was this was a 
This was a mind-blowing read. If you haven't seen it, you go to Vulture.com or just Google Quincy Jones' interview. Is Quincy it's, trying um, to stay relevant? I don't think I don't know. I don't think he has to. He's done it all, and he still has some more projects in the works. I mean, I think he had that I don't give a damn age. 80, 85, 84, 85 is about that I don't give a damn age. But the biggest revelation to pop culture is the fact that he said that Marlon Brando slept with James Baldwin, Marvin Gaye, and Richard Pryor. Now, Richard Pryor's widow has since confirmed that. I mean, wow, is all I can say. I mean, what are your thoughts? I don't have any. <laughs> Quincy is out of line. Is he out of line for if it's true? I, don't I believe know. it. I believe him. I believe him. I don't even no, I, I didn't I really, believe him. I just heard the deal with him and Ivanka Trump. I didn't hear that other crap. You didn't hear the, the Richard Pryor come in? No, man. Man, where have you been? You gotta read man, You have like, to read the article. I, it's mind blowing. Quite, yeah, I bet it is. He might have been blown. Oh, nah, no. you, so you think you don't believe him? No. Richard Pryor's widow came out and said that, she probably, that Richard was bisexual. She probably angry at Richard. Nah, she took him at the end. You know, he was he was in bad shape at the end. Yeah, but what about when he wasn't? Well, I mean, you know, it is what it is. I believe him, though. I, I believe Quincy, Quincy ain't, it doesn't seem like the guy that would lie. I mean, he goes back literally to the 30s and 40s. The dude, the dude was the man. Did I mean, he ever say what he did? Other than Ivanka make himself look good, what did he do? I don't know. I, I, I mean, he didn't say nothing what he did. Well, I'm sure he's done a lot. Yeah, he didn't say it either. Well, maybe he want to tell may, everybody about what he did. Well, maybe we can ask. Open his closet. Well, I'm sure it's a big closet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's a walk-in closet. I don't know what you'll find in there, but yeah. Yeah, he won't tell us either. That was the Super Bowl interviews, a segment we call Your Town. where we focus on a particular city. We, we talk about what's going on in the city uh, from a sports standpoint. And the historically, we all talk about uh, some of the icons from that city, maybe the Mount Rushmore of that city, or our favorites from a particular city. Well, we're going to do our city, the city of Houston, this time out. We had a vigorous discussion on the Houston show on KTSU 90.9 FM this morning about this. But in Houston, they opened up the Houston Sports Hall of Fame, which is long overdue, by the way. And I think it's a great, great deal. They had a big ceremony. They had everybody from George Foreman to Roger Clemens to to Akeem Olajuwon, Nolan Ryan, Earl Campbell. And they inducted three first time. I guess their, their, their inaugural class is uh, Earl Campbell, Nolan Ryan, and Akeem Olajuwon. All, all of those guys wore the number 34 and so that led me to ask the city of Houston and Kevin Allen, hmm. if if you're going to have a Mount Rushmore and add a fourth, who would that be? And then who would be the next three inductees? Say if it's three a year and next year you have three more, who would those three be? You have Nolan Ryan, Earl Campbell, and Akeem Olajuwon. Who is the fourth on the Mount Rushmore? I said Guy V. Lewis. That's who you said, the fourth. I, uh, That's I, your fourth on the, on the Mount Rushmore. I went with Bum Phillips, and I'll tell you why I went with Bum Phillips from the Love You Blue era. I think the most beloved team in the history of Houston sports was the Love You Blue Oilers. They That's when they packed the Astrodome on two different occasions, back-to-back -back years, with 60-plus thousand folks after they lost a game to the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
So I mean, and they had these rallies, and they were huge. Everybody loved those guys. They were part of the community. Congratulations, by the way, to Robert Brazil from the Love You Blue Oilers, who made it into the Hall of Fame. Well, we called that shot last week. But, yeah, uh, that would be my, my fourth, and your fourth is Guy V. Lewis. And make your case for Guy V. Uh, Guy V, I think, changed the way college basketball is played today. The game against UCLA, what they call the game of the century, putting it in the Astrodome, nationally televised game. You had the Astrodome pack uh, putting a, a basketball court just in the middle of the field. But they had no idea. They had the vision. But had they been able to put the other seats around that court, God knows what could have got sixty five thousand. Could have got more in there, you know, and and bringing in uh, the black athletes that he did with Elvin Hayes, Don Chaney, all of those guys coming later in. Later, Otis Bird song. Yeah, later they call him Mr. B. Otis Bird song. So with those guys coming in, he created uh, an atmosphere here at the University of Houston in, in Houston. Uh, later, he brought in the incredible Rob Williams uh, out of Houston Milby High mm-hmm. School. They're right around the corner from me. Hey, and I've never seen anything like Rob come through here other than Eddie Owens. But uh, and then three straight Final Fours, five all together. Yeah, never won a national championship. Yeah, you think about it with him when he put that, and, and when you were talking about the Love You Blue Oilers. With those guys the with the five slammer jammer, five slammer jammer. I mean, the city caught fire. Yeah, that was crazy. Unbelievable crazy. to for a whole city to get by in the size of a city of Houston. Yeah, this is not a college town by any town. means, and and yeah. they captivated the entire city. city. You know, you can you have more in attendance than the Rockets, and and then you had football here, college football, pro football. Pro baseball. This isn't a small town where this was the only show in town. They had this city rocking, and 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 the college team hasn't done that since. Nah, and it in was Houston. it was unbelievable. Now here's the, the irony of my statement. Although I think Bum Phillips may belong on the on the Mount Rushmore, the next three I had were the, to get in would, would be Carl Lewis, uh, one of the most decorated Olympians ever who ran track at U of H and is a Houston resident and always has repped the city of Houston. Although he's from New Jersey, he's repped H-Town and still coaches at U of H. So he's Houston through and through. Clyde Drexler was my guy. And I think that was the, your that was yeah. your fourth one ahead of Clyde. What was that? Well, no, no. Clyde was I mean, ahead Clyde, of Clyde, Clyde is number four to get in. And then I, then I said the, the other one I said – was uh, maybe uh, Rudy Tomjanovich or Elvin Hayes, uh, one of those to get in. So, and then we, I mean, we just had this whole argument about Clyde Drexler riding the coattails. And, and see, you made me do some research. You said Clyde Drexler just rode the coattails to get to his championship. No, what I shared with you was he rode the coattail for those last couple of months. And rode the wave to win a championship. That's what I said. But you were wrong. And in, in that Clyde averaged twenty one points and and nine rebounds in the finals. He now that he Otis Thorpe played in thirty seven games. He played in thirty five regular season games for the Rockets. He was a vital component to them winning the championship. And on the way, they beat the three seed, the two seed, and the one seed to get to the NBA Finals, where they swept Shaquille O'Neal. And and the uh, Orlando Magic. And not only that, what he did, he went to Rothschild Sterling. And see, this is what a lot of this boils down to. And the national audience will not understand this. 
You went to Yates. Chili Bill went to Yates. But Clyde went to Rothschild Sterling. And for whatever reason, you and Chili Bill decided to gang up on Clyde Drexler this morning. And it just caught me so off guard that I had to run to the nearest computer and look these stats up. And so he did. First of all, he, we, and I'm going to say we with that Red Rocket team because we won a championship. I think you get the right to say we when you talk about that championship team. We were a six seed. We were struggling and bumbling along. We couldn't get it going. And Clyde came in and infused some energy, some enthusiasm, some offense, and some defense. And they would not have won that championship. With, with with Otis Thorpe and not Clyde Drexler. They won with Otis Thorpe the year before. I don't always get caught up in stats because he averaged 21 points a game. They won it the year before with Otis Thorpe not averaging 20. So I don't – in basketball, each person has a role. Otis Thorpe's role with Houston was not to average 20 points. His deal was to score a little bit, rebound, and defend. Clyde has always been a scorer. So, yes, he's going to score. And I don't always get caught up because you scored more points than me, so you're a better basketball player. That's not always They were a better case. basketball but team. that's not always the case. I had to look at their record other, in the second half of that year. The, because it's always other intangibles in the game to help you win. It's not, always, oh, he scored 21 points a game and he scored 14, so he's better. No, it's not, it's not I that. I understand that. But you're talking about one of the top 50 players and a guy who took his Portland teams to championships. One championship. Two. He lost to Detroit and to Chicago. And he lost them both. Okay. But again, what, what, what Jerome Kersey and 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 what, and Terry Porter? Terry I mean, good, good players. Terry Porter good was players. good. And Kersey was good. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and they had... And they had Buck Williams. Yeah, they had, they, they had some good, players. good team. They had players. But they, were they a better team than Jordan's? Like again, we had this discussion last week or something about uh, do you, how much do you punish guys for not being able to beat Michael Jordan in the finals or in the playoffs? I mean, Barkley couldn't get his championship. One of the greatest forwards ever. He didn't get his championship because of Michael Jordan. Okay. Uh, Carl Malone, a guy that never okay. got a championship because of, uh, of Michael Jordan. So you can't I'm not knocking Clyde Carl in that Malone. list too. So I'm not knocking Carl Malone or John Stockton. I think you've had time to think about it. You can kind no, no, of calm no, that down a little no, bit. No, no, no. I mean, my view, never. It, it still doesn't change and it doesn't waver. With Otis Thorpe, I still think they would have won the championship. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna put that. I'm gonna put the not. Not that we're a little longer than the two. We're a little older, so a lot of younger people won't really understand the context of that question. But I'm gonna put that on the sports talk with Devin Wade uh, page, and I want to get people to come to vote on that. We're gonna vote on that. But before we do that, while we're talking about the city of Houston, name your three or four favorite favorite players. Now, let's not even get into the Hall In of Fame. Basketball? No, no, Houstonians. Oh, okay. In any sport. If you want me to go first, I can go go first. first. Earl Campbell's one of my all-time favorites. I love Earl. Now, although my best friend, my best friend, the guy who was my best man and and gave me my toast is Haywood Jeffries. He played with another one of my favorites. I know he's going to give me the blues about saying it. But Warren Moon was one of my favorites, uh, uh, Houstonians of all time. Earl Campbell is on that list. And, uh, I mean, I love my Astros, too. But another guy I love who didn't, who only lived in Houston part-time, and but he's one of my favorite boxers ever. And it's not Big George. I love Big George. But Evander Holyfield, who spent a lot of time in Houston, trained here, lived here most of the time during the prime of his boxing career. He's one of my favorites. 
he I wouldn't really kind of consider him a total Houstonian like I would like a Jose Cruz, J.R. Richard. Uh, that there's so many, so many guys that I love, but uh, I mean the the three or four that come to mind: Elijah one, uh, Earl Campbell, Moon. Like I said, Holyfield is one of those guys. Those are our guys. I mean, we just they they Houston through and through. And they have defined – I mean, they make me want to talk about sports and watch sports. Had I been born in Cleveland, I probably wouldn't have the same enthusiasm and I'd be doing something else. But, I, you know, I love those guys, and they, they helped define me and the, define this city early on. It was something to watch, and I've been, continue to be inspired by what those guys did in the fields of play. I, I got to go with Moses Malone. Uh, and Big the Mo. reason is that Moses – was an inspiration to me, which was awesome guy. Uh, could pick Moses' brain. I could call Moses at any time. I mean, he'd pick that thing up on the first ring. I, I'd have to pick Moses. Kenny Smith. Okay, what do you uh, these uh, your guys though? Yeah, they, I hey, didn't pick. My, you said favorite. I know, but but but, that, favorite. Yeah. but 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 what are your favorite? Because they were your friends that no. came because they your. Because I ain't never heard nobody say Kenny Smith was their favorite player. No, 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 you said favorite athlete or favorite player. Well, let's say favorite player. Okay. Cause, I mean, obviously, we're both connected. Moses. I mean, I would pick Haywood if we were just talking about my friend. Okay, well, and, no, and, it's, just and then, not, it's just not friend. I mean, I don't Moses, I get. I get Moses. Yeah, I'm not saying because they were the, the best. <laughs> you know, they can be my favorite and not be the best. Right, right, right. Your favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, Okay. But I, I I gotta throw him in there. Um, but so, I'll, I'll take Moses. Uh-huh. I love watching Earl Campbell play. Now I know you're a baseball guy too. You, who's your favorite Astro? We didn't get into that. No, you no. Back in the day, you did. You didn't like. Do you didn't love Jr. or Enos Cabell? James Rodney Richard. I I like James Rodney, uh, with the Astros. But see where where you are, and you and you always hear me say. I look at longevity. I don't look at a few years. I, I understand Jose Cruz was there. I like watching Jose Cruz, but he wasn't my guy. Yeah, you know. Now Jr. Richard, that was my guy. Yeah. I, I love I watching Jr. perform out there. Like I say, Earl Campbell, love seeing him. Love, love watching Earl run that ball. Who's um, your favorite? Moses Malone, your favorite rocket of all time. Moses, my favorite rocket of all time. Really, I gotta go with Dream. I love Dream. I went to school with his brother. I wasn't real tight with his brother. I wasn't a fan of his brother, but yeah. I'm. And, you know, but I was a fan of, of Dream. Yeah, big time, big time. No, Dream, hell of a hell Love of a what player. He did for us hell of a heart. player. Yeah. yeah, hell of a player. But Moses, Moses, my guy. Uh, uh, Love watching Moses go out there. Hard work, man. Just wasn't the most talented, mm-hmm. but hard work got him over. The only reason why, and again, he stayed in Houston, remained in Houston. Fondy helped build Dream. Really helped Dream develop as a player. And still has a court and named in his honor, and it's such a tragic loss. It's, it's it, a lot of people in this city are still really sad that he's not here anymore. Man, it it it, it touches me sometimes when I think about him. I'm gonna tell you a story. This, this is this is crazy. I, I'll say it on the air. Ain't a Quincy Jones story. Is no, it? not a Quincy. <laughs> not a Quincy story. I can tell some Quincy Jones story. Uh, myself and and my best friend Kevin Granger, we were running the. The uh, the Nike Pro City Summer League, right, which was big here in the city of Houston. In Houston, and um, one of the Nike reps called me. He said, "Hey, Kevin, can you can you get in touch with Moses?" I said, "Get in touch with Moses." He said, "We're calling him, and he's not answering." So I'm like, "Okay." So I, I called Moses. Mo picked up on the first ring. <laughs> <laughs> I say, "Mo, I say, so and so is looking for you." 
You need to answer the phone. Okay, I, I'll get with him in a minute. But it made me feel good that he picked up on the first he ring. He picked for up you. on the first ring for me. But it was, that's that's one of my a lot of great Moses Malone stories floating yeah. around the city of Houston. But but you can chime in on that. I'm going to post that on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page as well. And you guys can comment on that. Even if you're not in the city of Houston as an outsider, I would be interested to see what people around the country, uh, who they like from the city of Houston. And before we get out of here, one more segment. Uh, It's the You Big Dummy segment. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you. Well, we give out the Lamont Award. Now, what was Lamont? Big dummy. That was Fred's son. Yeah, Fred's son. But he was a big dummy. Big dummy. And that's for somebody who made a a boneheaded decision or did something stupid on or off the field or play. And uh, I'm going to go with Bill Belichick for not playing Malcolm Butler in the Super Bowl and allowing him 41 points. How do you you not let a guy play who played 97% of the snaps? Now, there are a lot of rumors going around about what happened the night before there was, they said that he came in with marijuana and he came in high and drunk. Said he got into it with the coaches. Malcolm Butler has denied all of that. And even Tom Brady has had the back of Malcolm Butler. But aside from all of that, unless you did something to my wife <laughs> the night before, look, you are going to play in the game. Because what he did was he, he made the entire organization suffer because of his decision. It was it was terrible. It was really a bad decision, and I think it cost him the Super Bowl. So that's my he gets a Lamont Award. You big dummy! So give me your thoughts on on, uh, on Belichick not playing Butler. I mean, we don't know all of the facts right now, but if those are true, those allegations are true. I can understand why he didn't play him because you don't want to but send you, out the bad. You don't want to send out that message. I, look, man, it's one game for it all. And I guarantee you, if he had not won a Super Bowl, multiple Super Bowls before, he would have played it. Now, again, we don't know all the facts, and maybe some things will come out. But you really hurt the entire team. He played in one special teams play. I just thought that that was a a really, really dumb decision, and I think it it cost him the Super Bowl because although he didn't have the greatest season, he's a quality NFL cornerback and really – Nick Foles did whatever he wanted to do offensively against that secondary of of the uh, New England Patriots. But he had to send a message out. You know, if you don't, you send the wrong signal. Now, it's like, well, he got away with it, but you're punishing me. What did Jimmy Jones say? With Jimmy Jones, it was John Roper, a Yates guy. John Roper went to sleep in a meeting. And guess what they did? They cut him. They yep. said, well, what would have happened if, if Emmitt Smith would have or Michael Irvin would have fell asleep in a meeting? Said I would have went gently went over there and woke him up. <laughs> hey, so you can send a message to the next guy without worrying about what happened this time. The message is you you will sacrifice the entire team's success to prove a point. And I think that that was very, very, very stupid. Let me ask you this. Who gets your You Big Dummy Award for the week? I hate to say it, but the 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 high school signing uh on the ESPNU yeah, let me give him the back the back story. So you have a kid that's making his announcement on signing day, national signing day, which just passed, and the kid chooses to go to Florida. Was well, sitting to his immediate right was his mother with a Tennessee cap on and an Alabama sweater. So when the kid chooses the Florida hat, what happens? She got up and left. She got up and left. 
in the middle of the ceremony. Now, she ended up coming back, and, and for that, she gets your... You Big Dummy Award. You Big Dummy I'm telling you, man, I like I said, it was not a good look, and somebody hit me up and said, well, why? I, it was Teddy. Teddy hit me up and said, she said, I want to pose a question, like, why do our people continuing to, you know, put this, share this and, and you know, send this out on social media when it's the most embarrassing moment in life for this kid. But what I said was, I mean, it, it shows a lot of things that are wrong. First of all, I've been for years getting on mothers for trying to take the shine from their kids. We're, we talked about this with LeBron for years. His mom in the middle of, of the mix, too much in the middle of the mix. Mom's got to take a step back. She stole a moment from her child. Now, that being said, the kid is not necessarily a victim. These kids know they're going on national television. He knows that his mom will not be happy if he chooses Florida. He knew that. She told him that. That woman didn't seem like she was shy about that. So while you know, I don't. I just don't think that he's necessarily a victim in this situation. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say he's a victim, but I'm glad he followed his own mind. If that's where he wanted to attend school, we always say that we leave the recruiting up to to them. We're going to let them make the decision. So we all tell the kids that, you know, hey. Right. It's you your know, life. Gonna, you got to live there. Yeah, you got to play there. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to guide you through it, but ultimately it's your decision. So if that's his decision and that's what he picked, hey, it is what it is. Well, give us your thoughts on the You Big Dummy Award. With that, before I let go. Before I let go. Before I let go, any final thoughts from you? Well, glad to be here again for another show. Get to see uh, another day. You got to, you have some guests coming up, some of your guys. Tell us who we got coming up in the coming yeah, weeks. I, I, I talked to Coach Charles Thomas over at uh, Duquesne University System Men's Basketball Coach there. Uh, looking forward to him coming up uh, in the near future. And we'll get Jeremy Case from the University of Kansas in the near future as well uh, to, to be on the podcast. So we'll have some some people coming up. And how can they reach you on Twitter? You can reach me at, at Alan Allen Ron 10 at Alan Allen Ron 10 Hey, want to thank you. Also want to thank the folks at CoBank Homes, uh, Kofi Bankers. You can, again, reach him at 832-757-7950. If you're interested in buying, selling, or renting a home in the greater Houston area, he's your guy. He can answer all your questions and help you out. Hey, want to thank you guys so much for listening. Please subscribe. Also, comment. Give us some feedback on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group on Facebook. And you can...